0: Opening up the book, to the book of Jeremiah now, chapter 2 and chapter 3. I struggled to put this into a sermon so I hope I did okay this morning. You can tell me later on. It's hard because we're covering a large section of Jeremiah. I put headings over each section so you could kind of get a glimpse of what's happening in that section as I read it. it God's taking his people in divorce, into divorce court saying, you cheated on me. We're going to explore this a little bit more in the sermon. And then at the end, God says, come home, repent. And then he, and then the people do. This is how the whole thing resolves. God's people do repent and they do come home. God grant it to us. God's word from Jeremiah chapter 2. We begin at the honeymoon. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth How, as a bride, you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. And the husband spurned. You of this generation, consider the word of the Lord. Have I been a desert to Israel or a land of great darkness? Why do my people say we are free to roam? We will come to you no more. Does a young woman forget her jewelry? A bride her wedding ornaments? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. God wonders, should I take her back? If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again? Would not the land be completely defiled? But you have lived as a prostitute with many lovers. Would you now return to me, declares the Lord. Come home, he says. Go, proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you one from a town and two from a clan and bring you design return faithless people i will cure you of your backsliding and the people say yes we will come to you for you are the lord our god surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and the mountains is a deception surely in the lord our god is the salvation of israel from our youth Shameful gods have consumed the fruits of our ancestors' labor, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. Let us lie down in our shame. Let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our ancestors. From our youth till this day, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. This is the word of our God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you have a word for us. A word for us to hear. A word for me to speak. A word that forgives. A word that confronts. A word that heals. A word that renews. So Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, that it all would be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a, it's a story that's really all too common. As I tell you the story I could use it talking, I could describe the story to describe the scene to you talking about a young man or a young woman a child or an adult, a parent or a, one of their children, a, a brother or a sister, a, a man or a woman. This is, the, the details may differ. The circumstances of the event, of, of whatever it is, may be different. The, the, the actual particulars of the story may vary, but there's one thing that's common to all of the stories, and there's this rising conflict and the resolution. All of the stories in the end, the storyline, the plot line, it's almost always the same. In fact, I would say it's not just almost always, it really always is. So hear me as I tell you a story. Everything in his life was going great. He, he was married to a beautiful young woman and they had four lovely children who were growing and thriving in their lives. He, he, he had a great job. He was the manager of, of a shop, a garage shop, a car shop, and he had the respect of the owners, the respect of the employees, and good rapport with the customers. At home, everything in their marriage was, was peachy. I mean, sure, they had their moments like every couple does, but this relationship was, was good. It was smooth to every view from the outside. They had a great marriage, and their children were thriving. He he and his wife tried to try to manage the schedule. You know how that goes of getting the kids here and there and everywhere, trying to manage home and school and faith and life, manage the budget. Everything in his life, everything in his life was going great. It was golden on the outside. But because he was the manager of the shop, he had a back office, and in that back office, he found himself caught up into an addiction. And so he'd show up early and he'd stay a little bit late, feigning work, but in the back he was satisfying his addiction, falling into sin. And he'd hurry home after work to eat dinner with his family and take his kids where they needed to go. But after his wife and the kids went to bed, he settled down with a bottle and Netflix, on the outside, everything looked great. On the inside, and in the hidden life, and the secret life, behind closed doors, in the dark, everything was not so great. And then one night, everything kind of collapsed on him. He ran to the liquor store to grab another bottle because he ran out, and on the way home, he got a DUI and ended up in the drunk tank. About, about that same time, about that same time, his boss went through his computer and found what he had been looking at. His wife learned about all of this at home. In a moment, everything in his life fell to pieces. And when he was released the morning after, he couldn't go home. He wasn't sure he should. he wasn't sure he could. He sat down on the curb outside the police station, put his head in his hands, and he wondered. How can I show my face again after I've done that? How can I show my face to my wife and my children when I've done that and this? How how can I go back to work? Do I even have a job anymore? He sat there with his head in his hands wondering, can I go home? His wife was asking some of the same questions but from a very different perspective. She was wondering, what did I do wrong? How wasn't I there for him that that he went into that? And she wondered if he wanted to come home, should I let him? When he's betrayed me and sinned against me this way, should I let him come home? It's a story, really, that's all too familiar to so many of us, to too many of us. It's really the story that God lays out for us here in Jeremiah chapter 2 and 3. Let me walk you through it. God, in Jeremiah chapter 2, it's beautiful, isn't it? God looks back to the beginning of his walk with Israel, his dear people, and it was so good. He said, like a, like a bride, you followed me wherever I led, no matter if we went into wilderness or a barren land, you followed me there and it was good. And they did remember that, don't you? When God said to his people, follow me out of Egypt, follow me through the Red Sea, his people walked through a, wall, through a, a sea with a wall of water on either side. The people followed him, though, though I'm sure that was terrifying. And yet his people followed them there because he was their husband. And he led them out into the wilderness. And yes, the people did it with grumbling and complaining, but, but still they followed him there, there. He wandered with them 40 years in the wilderness. God fed them every day. He cared for them there. And yes, many of them fell in the wilderness, but many of them still followed. They followed him through across the Jordan into the land of giants. It was also a land of milk and honey. And there God settled his people. There God gave his people a home, and a house where they could worship him. God made a place where he and his people could meet the temple. (laughs) And there God met his people. And and if anybody came after them, he was like a jealous husband. If anybody tried to hurt his people, God was right there to defend and protect his people. But then everything went wrong. His people, they, they turned from the Lord. And, and then they, they ran into the arms of another man. That's the way God imagined this. This is the try to imagine the hurt and the pain and the anger and frustration of God as the people whom he brought to himself, the people to whom he wed himself, to whom he bound himself with an eternal covenant, how they ran into the arms of another God and yet still pretended to follow the true God. Oh, they still showed up for church. But on every other day of the week, they were with every other idol under every other spreading tree. That's why God wonders in, chapter, in the middle part of chapter two, He wonders, why, why do my people say we are free to roam? We will come to you no more. My people have forgotten me days without number. Can you hear God's hurt? as a husband spurned. The question then is, should God take him back? Should a husband whose wife runs into the arm of another man take her back if she wants to come back? Should, Should a woman whose husband runs into the arms of another woman, should he take her back, should she take him back? That's the question. We read it a moment ago. That's the question God's asked if a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again? The answer that God gave his people in Deuteronomy was absolutely not. If God's, if God told his people that if a woman leaves her husband and goes into the arms of another man, he should by no means take her back by the way, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm just teaching you. There's a whole other teaching about marriage that we could do. So please don't take this too far. God said to his people, you sh- he should not take her back because that will defile the land. The question God asked is, should I take my people back? He would. And he did. Did you hear him? return faithless people, return backsliding people because, did you catch it? Because I'm faithful. And again, he said, return faithless people, return backsliding people because I am a husband to you. <laughs> I will choose you. And one more time, return faithless people and I will heal you of your backsliding. I will make you new so that you walk with me like you used to. And what did his people do? With their heads in the dirt, we will return. With shame covering them, they came, and their God received them. There's a danger in preaching sermons that, well, there's a general danger and then a specific danger when it comes to the sermon. The general danger is this, that you get too specific. You know, if I sit up here with my sniper and get really specific with a message, I'm going to hit one of you, but I won't hit all of you. And so the danger is you open up your shotgun rays and you try to do a general blast and we'll hit more of you, but maybe still not all of you. And that's true of law and gospel. I can try to I can try to nail you with the law, or I can try to heal you with the gospel, but but there's a danger that it doesn't get specific enough to you. There's another danger that's really more specific to this text, and the danger here is Jeremiah was speaking to an unbelieving people. And so he had to speak to them the Cernus law because they were unbelievers. Are you sinners? Yes. Do you struggle? Yes. But do you believe? Also, yes. And, and so I can't stand up here today and walk through Jeremiah and pretend that you're unbelievers. I, I can't preach the law to you as if there were no gospel because you believe and know the gospel. And I'm not going to do that, be a misuse of my office. I need you to do some work this morning because I want you to hear this message for for you, law and gospel. And I'm going to resist every temptation I have to be so general that it misses everybody and just go through a litany of things that you might have done wrong. I'm going to resist the urge to actually give any suggestions whatsoever that you might have done. And I'm simply going to ask the question and make you think about it. If God, the husband, were bringing you into divorce court, what charges would he bring against you? If God, the righteous, faithful husband, were bringing you to divorce court, what charges would he bring against you? And and I want you to get beyond the like, oh, I said something mean to my spouse this morning. I want, you to get, I want you to get beyond the, the daily flights of things and I want you to think about the things that nobody else knows about. Or at least you hope they don't. I want you to think about the things that if you, you think to yourself that if somebody knew this about me, they wouldn't look at me the same anymore. I want you to think about the things that when it's talked about in general conversation and you're not even, they're not even talking to you or about you, but you feel like, oh no, they know. I want you to think about the things that nobody knows about, that very few people know about, that you're embarrassed about, that you're ashamed of, that you hope no one founds out about, because if they did, Everything in your life might come crumbling down. Today, I want you to do the work and think about those things and bring those to the surface. If God, the faithful husband, brought you to divorce court, what things would he bring out as exhibit A and B and C? Now think, because you've done that, can you ever come home again? Dare you show your face again? Dear people of God, (laughs) here we are in the dust with ashes and shame all over us. I want you to hear your husband, your God, speaking to you. Return backsliding people. He knows who you are. He knows what you've done. Return faithless people. For I am faithful. Let those words sink in. If we are faithless, God is faithful. He does not disown himself. God doesn't say, oh, you cheated on me? Well, I'm done with you. That's not the way God rolls. He is faithful to you. Never to leave you. Never to forsake you. Never to say, you can't ever come home again. Rather, he's like the father of the prodigal son. See how I'm mixing metaphors now? Like the father of the prodigal son looking down the road, waiting for his son to come home. return. Come home, people of God, because your God is faithful to you. Return, faithless people, because your God is a husband to you. I know for you guys this is maybe a little bit of a tough one to get into because you're trying to imagine yourself as a bride, but just work with the image for a minute. All of you, work with the image for a minute. What happens in a marriage? They share everything. So if God is your husband and you come home to you, you share everything with him. And I'm not so much thinking about bringing it out into the open, though confession is is a wonderful thing. You, You share everything. And so what that means is all of your sins, that sin that you called to mind a minute ago, that sin is his. He took credit for it. His son took it all the way to the cross. Your sin became his and his glory became yours. Come home, faithful, pe- faithless people, because God is your husband. Come home, for he takes your sin, covers you with glory. Listen, there is no sin that you've ever committed, that you are committing, that you ever will commit. That will ruin what God has done for you on the cross. Return, faithful people, because God promises, I will heal you. I will heal you of your backsliding. You hear the promise in that? You struggle, I struggle. We sin daily, much, and what's God's promise? Psalm 51, I will create in you a new heart and a new spirit, a steadfast one so that you might teach sinners my ways, so that you might walk in my footsteps. I will heal you. I will remove, this is Ezekiel, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will make you new, God says. I will come home, faithless people. I will heal you of your backsliding. Dear people of God, return. Come home. For your Savior has taken your sin, whatever it is, and he's covered you with the glory of his Son. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. you. Amen.